He's oh, you're gay. Radio Drome. It's another episode of Radio Drome. Fortunately or unfortunately, that's up to you. I'm Josh Hadley. With me, nearly as always, is Cecil the Robot. How how did I become Cecil? And Peter's not with us this week because Canadian Thanksgiving is this week, and so he's busy. Canadians are weird, Cecil. Canadian Thanksgiving? Like, what the, What even is that? I, I don't know. I asked him, and he didn't get back to me before the show. He just said, Canadian Thanksgiving is there, and he can't do. He can't be on this week. So I'm like, you Canadians are just weird. I think Canadian Thanksgiving, they apologize to a turkey. If you'd want to have something to apologize for, you go to adamandeve.com. You go and you use the promo code DROME, and you will get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Tonight, we're, we're not going to talk about what we, were, what we were going to talk about because Peter's not here. Cecil, let's you and I look at what are considered to be the worst horror and science fiction movies of all time. And let's see if they really are the worst. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily go in chronological order here when we're going to be kind of jumping around. But if you had to name your personal the worst, not a movie you don't like, but I mean a movie that ineptly written, ineptly directed, ineptly acted, ineptly edited, oh, the worst sci-fi or horror movie of all time. What is it for you? Because um, see, I, I, I think I, I always think of like the worst like movies, uh, which often aren't always sci-fi and horror movies like uh, I Accidentally Domed Your Son, which I, I reference frequently as one of possibly the worst movie ever. But, I'll, you know, I always put that in like the the worst as far as like really bad uh, sci-fi or horror. That's that's tough. <laughs> Before we started recording, I was saying the House of the Dead is is tough because that's really like it. It has a little bit of watchability, but it's still just so like ineptly bad. Jurgen Prochnow is trying really hard. Jurgen Prochnow is trying really hard, and it has what's her name? Uh, it has Erica Durance in it, who was uh, who ended up becoming a Supergirl on uh, Smallville, and it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure this movie probably paid for her implants. And uh, <laughs> it also has one of the best lines of dialogue ever. Why do you want to become immortal? To live forever. <laughs> <laughs> that is genius dialogue. I'm sorry. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It, uh, let's see. Dracula 3000 was pretty bad. That was the one with uh, with Coolio. With, Coo- with Coolio it, as a pot sp- smoking oh, vampire in outer space. And yeah. Th- that one had, that movie had arguably one of the best worst endings I have ever seen. Oh, Flying yeah. into the sun. <laughs> they know they're all dead. So it's just like, you want to get it on? Sure. I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah. And it's just like, and then it just, they're getting it on and then they just fly into the sun. It is, it, it is the perfect ending to that thing. Oh, I got it. I can't believe I didn't think of it. Uh, Battlefield Earth. Absolutely. It is, is just a, a train wreck of monumental proportions. 
Like I saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater too, and I was pissed because the thing was, uh, I like Travolta, and he was. And, and, I mean, Battlefield Earth has poor got Forrest Whitaker. A oh, poor Forrest Whitaker. Well, you know what? He's he'll be fine. He's one of those guys that's just in like 800 movies like every year. I like Travolta a lot. He was plugging the movie so hard and about how it was, you know, oh, this is the the perfect, you know, this is the perfect retelling of the book. And I know the book series is like ridiculously, he, I mean, what are they on, like 20 volumes or something? So the I was like, books oh. are terrible. Okay, are they? This is how well the books are written. Remember that how how the the humans and the psychos no, was can't it a, the same air? Humans. <laughs> Not just that, but remember how they can't breathe the same air? Right. Well, the cyclos they they breathe uh, carbon monoxide. No, according to the book, they breathe breathe gas. <laughs> I'm not kidding. In the book, they they breathe breathe gas. They need masks for breathe gas. That's <laughs> how it's described. That's the level we're talking about here, Cecil. Oh my breathe God. gas. Breathe gas. Yeah. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard was a fucking hack. Yeah, well, he he managed to figure out a way to get tax exempt status. Not not even him. If, uh, I'm not going to get into Scientology, but it was his successors that figured that out. They didn't get tax exempt status till the 90s. Uh, Ron Hubbard was dead by then. I th- I thought he was he, alive. He'd been battling for like 18 years. He owed over a billion dollars in taxes by the time they finally got their tax exempt status. And how they did it was they bullied the the IRS. They sued them over 3,000 times for every minor little thing, and it would have cost the IRS more. And they said, look, just give us tax-exempt status, and we'll drop every one of the 3,000 lawsuits. Wow. They literally bullied the IRS into going, fine, just f***ing take it. You know, that's pretty ballsy. (laughs) <laughs> they they played a good gambit and they won so breathe god i need some breathe gas i am breathing out of like one nostril right now okay stupid weather now if, if i had to pick this is going to be a weird one for me i'm down to two that i think are the absolute worst most inept ever i'm gonna go with an american werewolf in paris highlander 2 the quickening was on my list because Ooh, that yeah. movie the but but i gotta say the production design on that was so gorgeous i'm gonna not let that one be completely inept because it looked beautiful it it looked really good but yeah it was just so it was just a mess but to, america werewolf in paris isn't that bad america werewolf in in Paris is embarrassingly bad. I, I seriously, I, I think House of the Dead is more well made than American Werewolf in Paris. Is. Oh, poppycock. <laughs> okay, what are you a grizzled 1860s prospector? Uh, see. <laughs> no. Go House... suck on some breathe gas. <laughs> House of the Dead. They've been put. They put like low res uh, video game footage in there. Terrible. Like, uh, I mean, at least I don't know. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed. Like, I mean, is is uh, America Werewolf in Paris even remotely in the same vicinity of the original? No, but I mean, it was it was still like funny and entertaining. You know what? A more true sequel to American Werewolf in London was the Masters of Horror episode Dear Woman, which is connected continuity wise to American Werewolf in London. That's a more true sequel than mm. American Werewolf in Paris was. Some other ones like that I want to kick off the list. Some there's some movies that are considered so bad, but like Exorcist 2, okay, the acting is terrible. The script is beyond bad. That is one of the most beautiful films I have ever seen in my life. If you just mute Exorcist 2: The Heretic, that movie is gorgeous. It is so well made. 
I can't see how anyone can hate that movie, even for how stupid its script is. Oh, God, it's been so long since I've seen two that I, I honestly don't remember. I remember barely anything about it, so I can't even say if it's good or bad. I don't even I'm at the point where I don't remember it, it being good or bad. OK, well, what about what is considered one of the worst sequels of all time? Howling Two: your sister's a werewolf, Steerbo werewolf bitch, or it's not over yet. It had different at different times. Each of those different sub surtitles. Howling Two is bad. There's no debating that. Yet I enjoy the hell out of it. How can you not love Reb Brown going while shooting werewolves and Christopher Lee in a punk rock club? Yeah, how can you not love like Christopher Lee is like in a freaking howling movie. He <laughs> Chris, with with Reb Brown. With Reb Brown. And uh, did, did um I forget? Did Joe Dante direct that one? No. In fact, Joe Dante hated that movie so much. Right. That's when Christopher what the thing Lee, was. his first day on the set of Gremlins 2, he apologized to Joe Dante for being in Howling 2. Howling, <laughs> 2 and, Howling 2 was directed by Philip Mora, who also did Howling 3 as well. What was was 3 uh, the exploitation one, the marsupials? Yes. I like three a lot, honestly. Marsupials is fucking great. You Jerba, know, like... the, the main werewolf chick, is so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She's so beautiful in that you can even overlook the fuzzy pouch in her stomach. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, you know what? So she's going to have a baby out of the little pet. Whatever. It's all good. She's still hot. She's still hot. Uh, Marsupials was uh, was was great. I, uh, I, you know, again, not on par with the first one, but absolutely enjoyable in its own right. But uh, yeah, two is, is kind of a disaster disaster the thing i love the most about it now i don't know this for a fact and mike white even brought this up to gary bradner because it has nothing to do with gary bradner's novel of howling 2 but the movie i swear was originally written as a as a vampire film and then they just did microsoft word replace and changed vampire to werewolf when they got the howling license because in howling 2 vampires hail from transylvania they are allergic to garlic they don't like holy water they can transform into mist they have mystical power. They have, you know, mystical hypnotic powers, and they can only be killed with a stake through the heart. You tell me that this was not originally a goddamn vampire script. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of really rejiggered that one around. Just I'm like, so I can't prove it, but you watch that movie and you go, this was a vampire movie. Yeah, I don't know why they. I guess they got the the license. <laughs> they had to they had to make a werewolf movie but it was a vampire movie so so that one i i, I love that movie despite how bad it is and now remember i don't pre i don't prescribe to the so bad it's good philosophy i just think it's not as bad as it's as its reputation because there's a lot of these films we're going to bring up now i'm trying to stick to horror and sci-fi this one is just barely there the apple it's a bad movie but it's an enjoyably bad movie. You get into it. You get into the songs. You get into the asinine story. I don't know how you can hate the apple, but it's not a good movie. Does that make sense? Because I mean, I I love it. I think it's it's ridiculous. And but the uh, the production value is great. The dancing is great. Uh, the music it's is fun. incredibly catchy. Catherine Mary Stewart. I, she, I like her in other things. I don't think she was ever cuter than in that movie. She was beautiful in that. Uh, I, I kind of like that that like punk rock hair style she had and stuff like that. She was just mm -hmm. so gorgeous in that movie. And I thought they did a really good job with uh, like I thought that she was really singing those songs because everybody else did their own music, but she was the only one that they were like worried uh, that she couldn't sing, so they hired somebody else. And I thought they did a really good matchup because the the girl who 
did her songs, she like sometimes when you watch a movie, like when you when you see Back to the Future and you see Michael J. Fox singing uh, Johnny Be Good and you're like, all right, that is absolutely positively not Michael J. Fox's voice. But the girl who they got for Catherine Mary Stewart, like I was like, I, if I didn't find out, I would have always just assumed that she was genuinely singing those songs. I don't know. I, I think that she was she was very cute in that. But I always had a crush on her from uh, Night of the Comet. I just like she was just the quintessential. She was a nerd know. girl in that too. Right, that's the thing. She she played uh, for, uh was Space Invaders. Tempest. Uh, Tempest. Te- that's it. And she and, knew obscure Superman trivia. Yeah, and and she was willing to to bone her lousy boyfriend in the movie theater. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a girl I can get behind. Literally. Well, like another movie considered the worst is The Swarm. Really? I mean, even Michael Caine. He made Jaws the Revenge. And in the <laughs> 90s, he was asked, what, what does he think is his worst film? He said The Swarm from 1978. Come on. I oh. think The Swarm is, it's not a good movie. I, I appreciate the balls that they killed an entire elementary school of kids on camera. You didn't do that a lot in mainstream 70s films. No. And I enjoyed The Swarm. I mean, it's stupid. I really liked it. I, I don't know. I saw it like two or three years ago. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's always funny when you have an actor who like will completely disown a film that's not that bad. Like uh like uh, Bruce Willis hates Hudson Hawk. And I'm like, how can he you hate it? Hudson Hawk. It's like 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 he just he owned that movie. Like come on. Like he's legitimately funny too. It's legitimately funny. It's well produced. It's I mean, I can understand people not liking it because it's you know, it is uh like you're expecting kind of a diehard thing, but it's it's a very comedic, goofy movie. And I can get people that aren't into that, but to 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 just flat out trash that as like especially considering some of the garbage that Bruce Willis has been in, the, the die Jack Hard Five and Die Hard Five, yeah. Like you're you're gonna denounce Hudson Hawk, but you're not gonna say that the Jackal was gar you know, that believe me, that's way bigger garbage garbage than Hudson Hawk. Cop out as much as it hurts me, like it's bad. I and wanted I, to like Cop. I, really I wanted, wanted to like to. Cop Out, but it was a combination of it just wasn't like it, it was not the type of film that Kevin Smith like like he did that for his dad. And I get it, because his dad liked buddy cop movies. Tracy Morgan was just grating. Like he ad libbed everything and you could tell Bruce Willis didn't want to be there. It just it did not feel like a Kevin Smith movie, which I guess is what he was kind of going for. But yeah, it really because I was super excited about Cop Out because he was plugging it, you know, back when it was still called a couple of dicks. I was like, oh, it's going to it's going to be funny. But then like immediately you could tell, all right, this is not Kevin Smith's writing. And it was, you know, somebody else wrote it. And also, it was Tracy just... Morgan take, took over that damn movie. And he is one of the least funny comedians out there. I do not like him at all. He's just it's like, hey, I'm going to say a bunch of random stuff and it's going to be funny. Uh, you know, it's like there's it's... macaroni in my pants. Now laugh. <laughs> yeah. Macaroni in my underpants. Papa Smurf was a pimp. Like what? The, what are you talking about? Like Tracy Morgan is one of the. He and Larry the Cable Guy are probably the two not funniest comedians I've ever seen in movies. And I've seen Disorderlies. I like Disorderlies. I know you. Do. 
Of course you do. I know, of course I do. I like everything, apparently. What about Superman 4, The Quest for Peace? That's that's another universally considered terrible movie. Now, that one, I'll give you. That movie is god-awful. I know why it's god-awful. Because of all the budget stuff and canon going broke and all the creative interference and all that. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't change the fact that it's a genuinely hard-to-sit-through movie because it is so bad. Now, keep in mind, I'm the guy that still thinks Richard Pryor was actually funny in three, and I can't sit through four. A three? Three definitely has its moments. Dude, the, the part at the end where uh, the, the, the girl gets turned into, like, uh, the, the eradicator, basically, that scared the hell out of me <laughs> as a kid. I thought Richard Pryor was legitimately funny in that movie. And Pryor was, now, I think from what I, if I remember correctly, Pryor was pretty much baked the entire time. But uh, but he still. You can kind of tell. You just look at his <laughs> eyes on camera. You can kind of tell. But he was funny, you know. Uh, it, he was he was funny, and uh, it uh, it it was better than Superman Returns. Well, well, that's because something happened in it. Nothing happened in Superman freaking returns. Yeah, except for bad CGI, and I felt bad for Brandon Routh because I've he like that should have been a star making role for him because he's a good actor. But wow, did that just it, it completely implode. Now, I'm going to be of two minds on Howard the Duck. I don't think it is a terrible movie. I think it is an abysmal Howard the Duck movie. As a fan of Howard the Duck all the way back from the Steve Gerber years, I understand why Steve Gerber was absolutely embarrassed by that film as an adaptation of his character. So I don't think it's that bad of a movie if it had not been Howard the Duck. I fucking despise it as a Howard the Duck movie, though. They could not have gotten that character more wrong. Like, I, 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 I still don't really know Howard the Duck all that well as far as, you know, a comic book character because I never read the books. But uh, I always enjoyed the movie for what it was. But there are certain movies where you can kind of understand. It's like, okay, this isn't a bad movie, but it is a bad insert thing movie. You know, so it wasn't a bad movie, but it was a bad Howard the Duck movie. I, so, see, I, I, I think that same thing about Constantine. I love, I adore the Keanu Reeves Constantine movie, but mm-hmm. holy shit, did they get every single thing about the comic version of the character wrong? So yeah, they me, even got the hair wrong. You know, they, he, even got he the, was... he, they even got the ethnicity wrong. I love the movie, but to me, that's not a Constantine movie, no matter what you call it. But it's a great movie. They just, it's a terrible adaptation, and that's what I think Howard the Duck is. It's not a bad movie. God, is it a horrible Howard the Duck movie? Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? I have no interest in it. I hate James Gunn. Oh, shush. God, how can you hate James Gunn? Work to trauma. For, he's, he's somebody who he broke out of, you know, he he's probably I get that. I, I, the I, most I, successful guy out of trauma. I don't like James Gunn's writing. I don't know if it's intentional or not. He he has a writing style similar to that of Joss Whedon, which just bugs me. I've seen a bunch of the movies he's written, and the only one I even remotely liked was Dawn of the Dead. And I hated that video game he wrote, Lollipop Chainsaw, where he's... Oh, you're gay. He, he, he seemed... He seemed to, <laughs> for Lollipop Chainsaw, he seemed to think, let's make 500 different variations on the word fuck, that's witty. No, it's not. I love Lollipop Chainsaw. I like James Gunn's writing. He he seems like he's... I, I, I think that uh, his stuff, it, it comes off just off, like, I don't know, authentic nerd as opposed to, like, fake buzzword nerd. To me, his stuff comes across as snark is funny, so everybody gets to talk in snark. And I don't like that. 
Oh, super uh, I, terrific. I've seen Sl- Slither, which I hated. I, oh, I, I oh. wanted, I wanted to like Slither. I'm like, th- th- this is like Squirm and Alien Contamination together, and hmm. it's like, wow, everything in this did not work for me. I, I'm not a fan of James Gunn. If you like him, fine, like him. I'm not, well, you know, so, saying I'm not saying you're a was, homo, but <laughs> what I was getting into was uh, at the very end of Guardians of the Galaxy, they had a stinger and with uh, Howard the Duck. I've seen with Howard the YouTube. Duck, and uh, and a lot of people were like, "Holy crap, you know, please do a Howard," because the Howard the Duck that they had looked a lot more like the comic book version. Because the thing was... It didn't have to be a midget in a suit. It didn't have to be a midget in a suit, you know? And and I think that, uh, it, like, Howard was not kind of so as rotund as they made him in, in the original movie, but that was because they had to fit an actual person in there. I thought they, they nailed the look of it in uh, in in the uh, that little clip, and I would love for them to, to do a Howard the Duck movie that is more authentic to the, uh, the comic book. But I think that a movie like that is doomed to fail because too many people will automatically think of the Lucas version and won't get, won't be willing to give the movie a shot which is, is just a shame because it's like, look, this is we're going to make it closer to how the comic book is. We're not going to make it look you know, like this. Worst movie ever. Well, have you ever seen it? No, but I heard it was the worst movie ever. Well, let's let's go to it's OK. It's funny how the Piranha and Piranha 3 Double D kind of made people notice the original two Piranha movies again. Piranha 2 The Spawning, James Cameron's, quote, debut feature, is considered one of the worst sequels of all time. I don't know how. First of all, it's an eminently enjoyable film. Second, maybe it's because I saw it on late night UHF television. Even when I see it on DVD, it feels like 3 a.m. on a local fuzzy channel. And maybe that's my nostalgia taking over from my brain. I think Piranha 2 is not, not a bad film. It's not a good film, but I enjoy the hell out of Piranha 2 The Spawning. Yeah, Piranha 2 is not bad at all. I mean, it's it's not a, again, it's not a great movie, but, like, there are far worse movies. The remake is way worse. I disagree. I like I like the uh, Piranha remake, and I even like Double D sequel, whatever. They were just like, all right, look, we don't have as much money as we did the first time around, but we got a lot of tits. And we're, I was like, all right. I'm in the the second one. They they knew like all right, we're just gonna up the ridiculous factor, and I was cool with that. I I like when a movie just is completely stupid, uh, but it but it, like entertainingly stupid, not just stupid stupid. No, I I don't think that the the Piranha remakes are are bad at all, and and I don't think that uh, Spawning is it's it's funny, you know. It's you get flying piranhas. Come on, you know there are there are much worse movies out there that cost. Like probably one of the actors' uh, craft services fee costs more than Piranha 2 did, and that movie gave James Cameron his freaking start and introduced him to Lance Henriksen. Yes, I mean, come on. One of the worst modern genre-ish horror franchise sequels: Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. The current edit of the first Alien vs. Predator is like I still want to see the real director's cut. You know, because they they released the, you know, the the unrate and they've said, they're like, no, that's not the cut that was made. But uh, for whatever reason, they're 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 not because there's a whole chunk of that movie still missing. And, and the co- I didn't hate kills are missing. I didn't I, hate the first Alien vs. Predator. Well, I didn't like one, it, but I didn't hate it. Well, the first, have you ever read the, the graphic novel? 
It's very. I'm gonna fucking stab you in the dick for calling it a graphic novel. Oh, all right. The com what the comic book? Yeah, you know it was released as five issues over five months of a comic book. That's not a graphic novel. All right. Well, the first when I read it, I read it as a graphic novel. No, you read it as a trade paperback. Get your oh, damn comic what? nerd t- terminology down. I. You know what? I don't. Maybe I don't know the terminology, but I'll show you my freaking collection, and it's goddamn ridiculous. Cecil, <laughs> I'm older than you. I bought all of them new. Yeah, I, I got it. Uh, God, I don't even. I remember. had to wait a month between issues. Ooh, that's tough. But yes, I've read the the original one. Damn, that was good. Part of that kind of made it to the movie. Right. Well, the whole you know, uh, Broken Tusks, Predator, and uh, you know, the girl kind of joining sides with the Predator and all that. Like this, I really want to see the because because if you look at that, like I know you're not a big fan of of uh, Paul Anderson is easily uh his his i want to not say is easily his worst movie but it's like it's it's so bad by a by a mar, by a heavy margin because it's like all the stuff that he's done in other movies in the Resident Evil movies in the Event Horizon movies and Soldier like all the action and kills and stuff they're not there because the studio freaking edited them out and then when they released the movie on DVD they still put them out so the current cut Alien vs Predator I like less than Requiem. My only argument about Requiem is that they decided to film large portions of the film in the dark. <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, it went, went you know, if, if you're going to do it like Relic or uh, Pandorum or something, you have to like have some sort of light balance. There you was... can't have lightning flashes as the lighting. Yeah, it's like, look, we have to be able to see something. Because I liked Requiem for being, like, the story, I liked it because it was so vicious. It's like, this is what an alien movie on Earth would be like. Little kid gets gets freaking a face hugger. They, they, they uh, have face huggers popping out of, of the, the pregnant women. Which makes no sense, by the way. It still was cool. Uh, it, it like, you, uh, you gotta figure the Predators are gonna have some kind of, uh, technology that we're not entirely aware of. You got the, the guy who's, he's hopelessly in love with his girl who gets gored by a Predator, you know, like, like, oh, this is gonna be the, the heroic love story. That's oh, That's the problem, no. though. She's dead. That's the problem. There are no characters in that film. They are, I, I said this in my initial review of it. They could have just had cardboard cutouts of these actors and it would have made no difference to the story because every single person in that is so paper thin that they're just victim number one, victim number two, victim number three, facehugger victim one, predator victim number four. There's no characters at all. No character has an arc. No character has any personality whatsoever in that film. I I don't know. It 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 worked for me. Like, because normally, yes, I want uh, a little bit of a character arc, but sometimes, you know what? You want a balls out action movie with uh, a lot of uh, predators killing people and aliens killing people, and it just it worked for me. Uh, I just wish that it was a little bit brighter. You know, through through faults of the studio and through faults of it just being too filmed too dark, uh, I I doubt we're ever going to get another one. Well, we are getting that new Predator. They're not calling it Predator 4, but that new one by Fred Decker and Shane Black. I'm, I'm sure as hell so, looking forward to that. So excited. I, I really – and the thing – and I liked Predators. I thought Predators I, was, was fantastic. I still say Predator 2 is the best film in that franchise. I, Predators I was really damn good. Predators was really damn good, and I was looking forward to more of that. But 
if you're going to give me Shane Black and Fred Decker doing a freaking, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, thank you. Is, is it Christmas? Like, come on, you know, having Fred Decker come back to, you know, uh, for after, you know, a uh, uh, God, how many decade absence to, to RoboCop a... three was 94. Yeah. So, so 20 years later to, to come back and, and to do predators and have, have Shane black who was in the first one to direct a hell. Yeah. I am so on board with this. That's probably one of the most, uh, a movie that I'm lo- like incredibly looking forward to. Like I, I just, if that one, if that one ends up not being good, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's real life anymore. <laughs> how can you have, is this real life or is it is just this, fantasy? Is this real life? Those two incredibly talented people together and, and put out a movie that's bad. Like I just, it, it will, it'll hurt my, my brain if it's not. Well, you, you brought up Paul Anderson before. What about what I consider is arguably one of the worst sequels of all time. Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation. I know he only produced that one, but holy crap is Mortal Kombat 2 a piece of shit. Yeah, I, I've i tried. How I've, do you screw up a movie that hard? And how do you, because, uh, like, well, you, you make it, you make Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But, but I, I mean, you almost have to set out to screw up a movie that bad. Cause there's, no, there's no way anyone was going through Mortal Kombat Annihilation going, this is going to be a good film. It, you know, it's almost like, like like the producers was for real. We need to make the worst movie of all time. Yeah, it, it's because it, it, I was I was super because the first one, the first one is so enjoyable. And it shouldn't be it by it, it, it shouldn't be because it's like, OK, well, Mortal Kombat is is known for its violence. And what do you do? You make it PG-13, but they still manage to skirt their way around it and make a, a PG-13 movie, a PG-13 Mortal Kombat movie that still felt like, all right, you got some you got some fatalities in there. So with the sequel, I was like, oh, hell yeah. You've got Brian Thompson. Uh, Robin Shu is back uh, for Liu Kang. Uh, you had, you know, James Remar uh, was, was not the best replacement for Raiden, but I like James Remar. Uh, but then you had... Jacks and like really bad action scenes. Well, and, and, and the you, first one had the first one had at the time really revolutionary CGI. And then the sequel had CGI that was just like PS1 graphics. Yes, one it was so bad. Well, and you, you had, also had just I mean, I like Munstavander. I think she yeah. is a, I I've liked her in a lot like the the Oblivion movies and a bunch of other stuff. Holy crap, was she terrible in but, that. But mother, you're alive. You, you shall die. Shall die. <laughs> it's like, wow, you going to leave some of the scenery or do you chew it all? I mean, I don't know if she was doing what the director told her or if she was fucking wasted. I don't know. But One she, of... what the hell was with her in that? Yeah, she was going way over the top with that bad wig and everything. I saw Mortal Kombat like three times in the theater. I loved it. So when Mortal Kombat Annihilation was out, I was I was already sold. I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome. And I went opening night, and wow, what a, what a kick to the teeth. It just was so god awful terrible and i've had so many people like you know how can you how can you have good bad flicks but you can't have mortal Kombat annihilation and i'm like no it's not good like there is like you can laugh at parts of it and i've tried i've tried over and over and over again with that movie and i'm like no it's just bad it is 
there is very like next to nothing redeemable about it. There are a couple of scenes that you can laugh at, like, you know, Jax gets knocked over and then, yeah, now what? Like, uh, it's it's Johnny so... Cage getting his neck snapped 40 seconds after the credits. Yeah. Well, that that right there, I was like, uh oh, like <laughs> I'm like, wait, they, they immediately killed off Johnny Cage. Oh, this is good. But yeah, what an absolute disaster. And they, if they had put like as much effort into, an, and the thing is Annihilation, uh, uh, the first Mortal Kombat cost $20 million. Annihilation cost $40 million. How the hell did that movie cost $40 million? Like somebody blew the money at the racetrack. That's what I was saying about Highlander the Source. No way that movie cost $14 million. Yeah, and when it, especially when it looks like a you know a Sci-Fi Channel original, like how the hell are, are, does this movie cost that much? But uh, Annihilation, all they had to do was just make it at, at the very least on par with the first one, and they would have had a majorly successful franchise on their hands. Because I think I think Annihilation opened like number one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, until people because saw people it. were ex- well, that was the thing. People were expecting it, and then it, and then they were like, oh god, well we're we we thought this was gonna be this and it ended up being terrible, you know. Well, and it even comes it even comes down to like I just brought up Highlander the Source. That's another movie that they had to have been trying to screw that up. There's no possible way Brett Leonard made Highlander the Source and said this is gonna be a really good film that people are really gonna enjoy. There's no mm-hmm. possible way. Well, what what I don't get is and and this Hollywood is is infamous like infamous for doing this nonsense. You've got a successful franchise you know, in, in the making, the first one was a hit. You, you now have a much larger budget. Let's give it to a director that has never directed a movie before. (laughs) And then it's like, all right, he made that and it sucked. And then he made butterfly effect two, which wasn't particularly, I never saw the second one, the first butterfly effect. I know it, 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 it's not considered one of the worst. I hated that film from beginning to end. I like butterfly effect a lot. I hated that. That, well, two two was basically kind of the same. Isn't that Rob Lowe? Uh, no, it was uh. No, I'm thinking of Stir of Echoes. Two was Rob Stir, Lowe. Sorry. Yes. But no, it was uh, again Erica Durant and uh, and Eric Lively. And I mean, two was essentially the same story with a slight spin on it. And uh, but but um, it it, it actually it's I'm looking at at Leonetti's like thing here. This seems to be his M.O. There's a successful first movie because you don't like Butterfly Effect fine, but it was a big hit. I thought it was really good. And I don't like Ashton Kutcher at all. I think he's a horse's ass, but uh, I thought he he was good at that. I would have liked someone else to be in it. But again, like Leonetti. Okay, Mortal Kombat one was a success. Mortal Kombat 2 and I or Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Leonetti directs it's a disaster. Butterfly Effect one success. Butterfly Effect 2, Leonetti does, and it's a disaster. The Conjuring, huge success. They give him the spinoff, Annabelle, everyone hates it. It's like, why do they keep giving this guy work? Because like, I've said it how many times, Hollywood is the only place you can fail upwards. I, I, we, we discussed this in depth when we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective. Why does Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, somehow get more hate than 3D or the remake? Because I actually thought of the modern ones, the beginning was the least painful. Because for one, Lee Turgeson is awesome in anything, and he gave some real gravitas to it. And Ar- more Arlie Army is never a bad thing. Why is the beginning actually 
voted the worst Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's even got a lower score on IMDb than Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. How is the beginning? I mean, I didn't like it, okay. so, but how is it that bad? I have a completely valid reason for that, because the majority of the people that are probably voting on that have never watched the other Texas Chainsaw Massacres. There's probably people out there that think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre started with Marcus Nispel. But okay, you you and I being horror fans, is it really, I mean, isn't 4 easily the most inept of all of them? I know you liked 3D, which I, I think is actually worse than 4, but you now gotta you're admit... Talking, you're talking the recent, yeah. you're talking the recent one, yeah. yeah. But you gotta admit, 4 is really goddamn awful. Or Matthew 4 the one with Renee Zellweger. Oh, look, alright, you want to talk about you know, the whole so good they're bad. Four, Texas Chainsaw is, I, I like, I like that movie because it's ridiculous. Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey is, with robot legs. No, not, uh, just, not just that. Matthew McConaughey is in a different film than the rest of that cast. Oh, he certainly is. He, I don't know where, yeah, he's, he's doing a sci-fi movie. I don't know what he's for doing. For a movie he does <laughs> not, for a movie he hates and did not and says he never wanted to do. He sure as hell didn't half-ass it, did he? But uh, you had uh, you had chubby Renee Zellweger, looking so uh, cute. Yeah. Uh, well, I always I was more fond of her in uh, Love in a Forty Five. I, I, I that was she the... was just really cute as the quote ugly girl. Remember? Well, she was well, the was, ugly girl in she that was movie. The, well, that's it. Well, she had she, her hair was a little mousy and she had glasses, so she's the she's the ugly girl somehow. But uh, but now four uh, I, I think is is hilarious. Like four four is not a good movie, but four is an entertaining movie because. It is 18 degrees of insanity. Like it just you had they really pushed the Leatherface cross-dressing thing. The, you know Matthew McConaughey with robot legs. Matthew McConaughey uh, gets killed by a biplane. Right, well, it's it's insane. But uh, but uh, the thing is like it it's, uh, it it is more creative in its badness than the uh than the the reboot and uh the 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 beginning one like i didn't think i thought the reboot was terrible i thought the beginning it was okay i mean i liked you know arlie it Ermey, was less but terrible it was less terrible but I, but i genuinely enjoyed i know you you didn't but i genuinely enjoyed 3d i was like i i honestly think if that was not a texas chainsaw movie it probably people would look at it a lot differently well speaking of slashers why does Jason X get all the hate? Jason yeah. X is fantastic. Especially it, when nine exists. Exactly. It's voted lower than nine. How, How is does that, that happen? Jason X is tremendous fun. But I've had I, a lot I, of I saw, people say I saw it's one too website, much fan service. I saw one website, a horror film website, which I'm not going to name, that said it's not even a real Friday the 13th movie. Bullshit. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah, they're 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 completely nuts. Uh, Jason X is okay. It's fan service, but it's great fan service. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's got some great kills. It's got some really good special effects. It is a ton of fun, and it, it at least like it fits in with like it feels like a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Grant's a Friday the Thirteenth movie in space, but nine. Nine was not a Friday the 13th movie. Nine was like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, kind of, 
you know, Jason jumping out of Aaron Gray's vagina. Like it was like, it's terrible. Like, yeah, how could I, that's that one baffles me. How the does, only thing nine has for it is Creighton Duke. Well, Creighton Duke. And I will say the first five minutes, the intro, oh, the, the FBI scene is awesome. brilliant. Where they just shoot him with a rocket launcher. That was, I'm like, this is going to be great. And then everything after that was complete garbage. Let, let, let's dip back to the 70s. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I Spit on Your Grave is on the list of the worst films of, ever made. Is it a fun movie? No. Is it a bad movie? No. How was the original? Well, first of all, I Spit on Your Grave. Have you seen that remake? I should. You should call that I Wish I Were Jigsaw, the movie. Well, they're, they're up to three now. Which I was Serious? Like, oh, yeah, they just released the third. Uh, well, not re- well. The second sequel to the remake, like oh, just Jesus. came out like a week ago. And I'm like, they they managed to turn I Spit on Your Grave into a uh, to a fr- the, the remake of I Spit on Your Grave into a franchise. Now, apparently I've heard I Spit on Your Grave one. Now, I haven't seen any of the remakes. I heard uh, from a few people. I spit in your grave one. I heard was garbage. I heard. Oh, no, are you you're grave. talking the remake there for one? The, right? the, yeah, yeah, I'm talking the remake. I'm not talking the original. The original absolutely like like deserves its place in history. The 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 I spit in your grave remake. The original I heard was terrible. The second one I heard people were surprised it was actually really good. But then the third. It, but it had nothing to do with the first one. The third is a direct sequel to the first one, and it basically is is rape the movie. Like it's there, that's what people accuse the original of being, honestly. Yeah, but the original, like, I mean, well, it was rape revenge the movie. <laughs> but the thing was, there wasn't anything like that at the time, which is why you know it really deserves its its place in in well, history. Okay, the mm. remake. She becomes Jigsaw. Instead oh, of getting her revenge like in the original, oh, she sets up traps and she's shit. setting up traps. She got fish hooks in their eyes, <laughs> you know, traps and try to get out of this. She becomes it's a saw sequel, really. It's not an ice put on your grave remake. It's a saw sequel. You could easily have taken the Amanda character from the Saw movies, put her in there, and it's an official saw sequel. That's how bad. That's how much it has in common with "I Spit on Your Grave." I uh, I I wish they were on Netflix or something, because like I want to watch them out of morbid curiosity, but I don't really want to like have to pay any, you know, we'll pay anything more than I already pay <laughs> to watch them. Well, I just want to be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I have nothing to do tonight. Oh, I'm gonna watch uh, the, <laughs> the "I Spit on Your Grave" remakes. Well, let's let's dip all the way back in time here. What about what are traditionally considered the worst films of all time from from our parents' generation, like Plan 9 from Outer Space, Robot Monster, Ega, Beast of Yucca Flats. Do those belong in the same category as something like Mortal Kombat Annihilation or Aliens vs. Predator Requiem? Because personally, I don't think Plan 9 is that bad of a movie. For one, it's tremendously enjoyable. It's ineptly made. You can't deny that. But its ineptness kind of is charming, isn't it? It's because all you of Earth are idiots. That's all I'm gonna take out of you. <laughs> What's up? What was the other? Uh, you're stupid, stupid. minds. Stupid. stupid, stupid. Yeah. Uh. Well, Plan Nine. Plan Nine has become more enjoyable for me after Ed Wood. Like I thought it was. I thought it was like entertainingly bad before, but then like after seeing Ed Wood, like I. I don't know. It just. It became charming. And uh, I like the old. I wouldn't put the old like bad quote unquote movies in the same category because the old movies like they they weren't 
setting out to make a bad movie. And I mean, nobody, well, except for maybe Uwe Boll and, and uh, the, the guys who do the, uh, the, the, the Seltzer brothers set out to do like make bad movies. But the old, uh, the old black and white horror, you know, sci-fi, whatever's they, they had a certain charm and they were, you know, like they were, they're made like a, you know, they, they made something. They, they just don't feel the same. They don't feel bad. Like there are some movies, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, holy crap, they put a hundred million dollars into this and it's awful. But uh, the old ones, they, they just had a certain charm to them and they don't necessarily like they're they're entertaining because uh, you can kind of watch them and goof on them. But movies like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, like you just can't like there, there's really little to no enjoyment to be had. What about when it comes to the modern definition of what a bad movie is? And I'm going to go to Mystery Science Theater. For all the good MST3K has done for the horror, sci-fi, and even comedy genres, they kind of, in a, in a strange, unintended way, redefined what's a bad movie. For instance, Jeff Lieberman was very angry when he saw his 1976 movie Squirm on Mystery Science Theater. He, not realizing that Joel Hodgson was not part of the show at that point, this is the Sci-Fi Channel era, called up Joel because they, they had a couple of friends in common and bitched about it. And Joel even told him, according to an interview in Videoscope magazine, Squirm shouldn't have been on Mystery Science Theater. It's a great movie. So in a weird way, has Mystery Science Theater somehow redefined what a bad movie is for the genre, or at least to the mainstream audience? I'm curious uh, about the Squirm episode because the thing is, Squirm is heavily edited. And, oh God! Uh, it's there are whole characters missing from the version I saw on television years earlier. Yeah, so I I like really wonder like like what what was was there uh, is there something to that? Like I mean I I really would would like to know because yeah, Squirm there's like Squirm is is a genuinely creepy like good movie and it shouldn't have been on there. Like you know Ega deserve to be on there you know a lot of the movies that they've done deserve to be on there but squirm didn't so i wonder uh, i know they ran into instances where especially towards the end in the sci-fi era where a lot of times they kind of had to take what they could get the rights to and that might have been a case of you know we need a movie and and, the, and that might have been the only one that they were able to acquire but uh, yeah, Squirm is is not a bad movie at all. But as far as um, your question of uh, them changing the definition, Mike Nelson and, and all of them will be there are the first ones to admit the best mystery science theaters are the ones where there is something enjoyable about the movie. They're not just bad for the sake of being bad there are they're like there are plenty of really horrendously bad movies out there but when you watch something like gamera or you watch something like laser blast like there's a certain charm to them and they're like those are the kind of movies that we go after you know but we're not there are, just... but then there are the space mutinies which are really awful well yeah but there's still like a certain like i don't know there's there's that you know uh the whole the je ne sais quoi of them there's something that you can still watch it with your friends and kind of goof or uh there's some movies now especially where you sit down and you try to watch it and like you goof and you can't you know it's just it's you can't make fun of it because they've said they're like we don't look for bad they're you know just bad movies we look for that 
certain kind of bad movies. And there are a lot of people that don't understand that. They think that they're just going after bad movies because they'll, oh my God, you have to do this piece of crap. And it's like, no, that's, you know, we're, we're, we don't do like just that inept garbage. We're trying to find something that has something redeemable in it. Well, cause like, uh, I remember it was either the, ser- the, the sci fi channel series premiere or the second episode where they did Universal's Revenge of the Creature. And I was like, what the hell is that doing on Mystery Science Theater? Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, there are some that they, they kind of had to just take. You know, like they could take, you know, take what they get. That's why that's why the show like the show didn't end because the ratings, the show ended because you had movies that cost one hundred thousand dollars to make and they wanted a million dollars for them to license it. And they basically, you know, because they were seeing how popular the show was. And so you had all these people that owned the rights to bad movies that were just overcharging for it. That's why they had so many like weird like Russian. They had the the, the Russian uh, Christmas uh, Santa Claus movie and it was just all these really weird foreign movies that they could get a hold of and it finally got to the point of where they're like alright look the, the wells run dry of what we're able to afford and they had to call it quits but then there's also the fact and again I'm not trying to blame Mike and all them for this that I'm blaming the, the, the viewers and I don't mean the real Misties I mean the, the casual viewers those of us who grew up I don't know how you found Mystery Science Theater I, f- I found them during the during the, the second Comedy Central season, and then I watched them, you know, straight through through the end of the Sci-Fi Channel era. There are people who didn't see them until they were already off the air, and they use Mystery Science Theater as the definition of what a bad movie is. If it's on Mystery Science Theater, that means it's a bad movie, and I think they unintentionally created that label for all for their catalog. I mean, like, I see, I see reviews of movies where they go, God, I wish Mystery Science Theater were around so they would do this movie. And I'm like, are you nuts? This is a, Satan's Cheerleaders? This is a great movie. What, are, what is your freaking problem? Well, that's the other thing. Like, if you go to the, the IMDb's uh, bottom 100, there's so many movies on there that are from Mystery Science Theater. Because people, you know, they watch the, the Mystery Science Theater episode. Oh, God, it's a terrible movie. And then they go and they vote it. Like, there was a time where there was pretty much every episode of Mr. Science Theater, uh, the movie was was listed on there as the bottom, uh, you know, 100. And I'm like, look, all right. You need to uh, see more movies, people. Well, I always tell people that when I get somebody that's like, oh, my God, I watched Event Horizon and it's the worst movie I ever saw. I'm like, well, apparently you've only seen two movies. Event <laughs> Horizon's pretty decent, actually. Yeah, like like that's also not even the third act, but it's still pretty decent. But it's like you you've apparently not seen enough movies when you are watching movies like The Hills, you know, then get back to me and tell me about bad movies on on, on the TV tropes page for for this show. I'm compared with my movie knowledge to Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if that's fair to me or Quentin. Really, it comes down to like people like you and I and Peter and that we've seen movies the general public have never even heard of. Brad Jones was in New York City at the New York City Comic Con at the Channel Awesome panel just this week, and somebody thanked him for Radiodrome for exposing, back in the Brad era, obviously, to movies he would have never even heard of if he hadn't have heard Brad and I talking about them. I have to admit, Cecil, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Like I'm doing a really weird service for people, you know? Well, I, I get that fairly often. Like I get, uh, you know, when I do 
my you know my videos and I do my Netflix recommendations I get so many people that are like you know I found movies that I now love that I never would have found before because the general you know mainstream is is not talking about them now I mean I touch on some mainstream movies but you know the, a lot of the stuff that I talk about it's like people have you know have no idea that this thing exists and and they'll be maybe they'll be like holy crap there's this actor who I love I had no idea he made a horror movie or something and I'm like well you, you could always go to the IMDb, you know, <laughs> like it's it's not like there's some hidden secret, you know, uh, thing. But I think a lot of people just uh, they stay to the mainstream. And uh, so when people like us point out the the weird stuff, they kind of go off the road and, and start uh, checking that stuff out. And yeah, I always I always take pride in that. It's cool to know that, you know, if uh, if you didn't talk about this movie, then this person never would have found this this thing that they now love. And it's it's cool, you know? People often confuse what is a bad movie and what is a low-end movie. People immediately assume nowadays that a direct-to-video film, I can't even count how many reviews I read for direct-to-video films, either of the day coming out, you know, on DVD finally now, or newer ones, where people go, this was shockingly good. Because they're genuinely surprised that if a movie is released direct-to-video, that it can be any good. Like, like that's some sort of a foreign concept that, well, if it wasn't released to theaters, then how good could it have been? So, Cecil, where can people find you liking bad movies, but not bad, bad movies? You like good, bad movies. I certainly do. You can find me over at uh, escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflix.com, and I am uh, Trachenberg on YouTube because YouTube won't let me change the name of it. But if you do a search for Good Bad Flicks, you'll find me on YouTube. And then look me up on Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff where I talk. Uh, I talk about movies and I give them a lot of praise and I don't talk about I very seldomly will mention bad movies. <laughs> you can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Remember, guys, go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, go to 1201beyond.com, buy some T-shirts. Also, I am a columnist for Fangoria Magazine, so make sure you pick up Fangoria Magazine. And I've got a couple of pieces coming out in the next issue of Delirium, Charles Band's magazine, as well. So remember, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold, yada, yada, yada. <laughs>
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.